Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It looks like a former teacher's aide is headed to prison after she pleaded guilty to trying to entice a minor for sex. We sit down with Hillary Nappy, a lawyer who's litigated hundreds of cases on behalf of survivors of sexual abuse. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Now, we've told you before here on Sidebar about female teachers or school staff taking advantage of their male students, sending them inappropriate photos, providing them with drugs or alcohol, even sexually assaulting them. Very, very disturbing stuff. But now, once again, we have another story to talk about. One of those educators, a teacher's aide, could be facing decades behind bars in prison after she entered a guilty plea in federal court. I'm talking about 38-year-old Ellen Phillips, previously known as Ellen Schell, pleaded guilty in front of Chief U.S. District Court Judge Danny Reeves for the Eastern District of Kentucky. Phillips pleaded guilty to, quote, attempted online enticement of a minor to engage in sexual conduct. According to police, Phillips was in sexual relationships with multiple teenage boys in at least two different Kentucky counties. She would talk to them through social media platforms like Snapchat, Facebook, or send them text messages. Reporting indicates that she would have sex with minors at the same time. A lot of this coming from her own words, apparently. little side note here. It's just amazing the consistency in these stories we cover, right? Very similar methods that are used by these perpetrators or alleged perpetrators. Now, in Phillips' case, uh, in this plea agreement, Phillips admitted that in December of 2022, She tried to entice a 15-year-old boy to engage in sexual activity. She says that she messaged him repeatedly on Facebook, asking him to sneak out of his home and meet her. When he said he couldn't leave, she admitted that she offered him alcohol and oral sex and even gave him some excuses that he could tell his mother to get out of the house. Wow. Yeah. And while it's not clear if Phillips had actually physically abused the minor or even met up with him, it doesn't appear that she did, Phillips' arrest warrant said that she had engaged in sexual abusing two minors when they were both 16 years old at three different times. The mother of one of these alleged victims spoke anonymously with a local Kentucky news station last year. She said, quote, these boys are not aware of the laws that protect them and would not come forward because they thought they would be in trouble. Jussel told news outlet, quote, he said she brought them alcohol three to four times. I can't wrap my mind around the extent of what she's done. And we believe when these teens came forward, is when she was ultimately arrested last year. And I have to say, talking about the consistency in these stories, it is so many times that you see the minors coming forward that allows all of this to come to light. And maybe we don't highlight enough the bravery of these young people enough. Not easy to do this. Now, it's our understanding that she was initially charged with state crimes like sodomy and rape. Not clear if those charges will be dropped in light of her pleading guilty in the federal case. We'll talk about it. What we do know is that Phillips is scheduled to be sentenced on April 26th, and she faces a minimum of 10 years in prison and a maximum of life in prison. Let me bring on right now a civil litigation attorney, Hillary Nappy. She is with me. She knows about these stories very well. 
Uh, Hillary, great to have you on here. I want to let everybody know that before uh, you jumped on, two things happened. One, we heard all these police sirens outside because your window <laughs> was open. And while that's good for the aesthetic of the, the crime show, uh, not great for the audio, but you said something about your job. I just want everybody to talk about it because I said to you, I wish we were talking under better circumstances. So I said back to you, I wish we lived in a better world. I could then retire. Um, unfortunately for me, I think that I will be working until I literally can't do this anymore. Um, I think this story is perfectly in line with what we already know about pedophiles. Because make no mistake about it, that's exactly what you're dealing with, right? Somebody who is employing a set of tools, right, to groom a child, to eventually get that child to meet her and have sex is exactly what she is. And we talk about this a lot, and I think that there are often uh, stereotypes that we see in the media about what a pedophile should look like, and it's not usually a woman. But it, it's no different than if she were a man abusing a female child. What's interesting in this story is I think that it highlights a trend in what we call sextortion. And that's when social media apps or the internet generally is used to convince a child to either perform a sex act and record it, meet offline. Um, it's usually memorialized with you know pictures being taken um, and then they're blackmailed, right? To continue it, to engage in sexual performances so that those pictures won't be released. Sometimes, right? Kids are giving over gift cards or money or, you know, whatever they have in, in their uh, control to prevent these pictures from being disclosed. And so you also just said something about bravery. It's really interesting when kids come forward at this age because we there's a ton of science behind delayed disclosures. And often children who are sexually abused and assaulted or exploited don't come forward right away because of the shame and the stigma. You know, and I think that gets underplayed a lot. Boys who are sexually assaulted or sexually abused or groomed in the moment may not appreciate what is happening to them, but make no mistake, it leaves a long effect on their life. And when they are 45 and 55, they are dealing with the ramifications of what happened to them when they were 15. So well said. So well said. We've talked about that before here. Um, when we have Chris Hansen on to talk about these cases. You know, sometimes there is a misconception about what this means. And I'm really glad you, you mentioned that uh, because this is a crime. It is disturbing. And they are going to, uh, you know, unfortunately deal with the ramifications of this moving forward. The fact that she pled guilty uh, in federal court and admitted a, a lot of this. Are you surprised by that? Do you think it had something to do with the state charges? So, I mean, in a former life, I was a criminal defense attorney, <laughs> um, and I don't say that too willingly to people. That's why I yeah. do what I do now, because it just didn't work for me. But when someone is indicted um, on a state charge, depending on the quantum of, of the evidence that exists, there could also be simultaneous federal charges. And if those two charges are being brought together, normally the person is going to plead guilty to one first, and the plea deal might encompass the other. But... Federal investigations are very different. Um, they are much more intense. Federal agents have tools at their disposal that some state agencies, depending on the state, do not have. And so they're able to amass much more evidence quickly. Um, and when they are able to do that and they actually bring an indictment or they bring a charge and someone is arrested and they're pleading guilty, it does not shock me, right? The acceptance of their guilt usually helps in sentencing guidelines, right? So you know that, that's something that I would expect um, whether or not her state charges are rolled into this plea deal and she's not charged, you know, that's going to be a determination that the state officials are going to make. But I've often seen people charged in federal court and then they still deal with their state charge and they run their sentences either concurrent or, you know, one right after the other. So I don't think that Ms. Phillips will be leaving a jail cell for a long time.
Hey, I'd just like to take a minute to really thank our sponsor of this episode of Sidebar, Attorney Tom and Associates. We always appreciate our partners here on the show. But here's the truth. When you need a lawyer, trying to find the right one is half the battle, and that can be incredibly stressful. But that is where Attorney Tom comes in. So whether you were injured in a car wreck, maybe a refinery explosion, got sick as a result of a bad drug or toxic exposure, maybe even the victim of securities fraud or found out that your information was included in a data breach, whatever it may be, there's many other situations, Attorney Tom can help. They not only have the legal skills and the legal knowledge, of course, I mean, their track record is really impressive in tough cases, but they also have genuine empathy for their clients. Not to mention that every phone call is free, private, you're going to be speaking with a member of his team straight away. Having somebody that you can trust in these cases is so important. And look, if your case is not the best fit for Attorney Tom and his team, they still may be able to recommend you a lawyer using their national network of attorneys. But with Attorney Tom and his team, you're not just hiring a lawyer. You are gaining powerful allies committed to justice and your well-being. So if you've suffered an injury and you need legal support, click the attorneytom.com slash sidebar link pinned in the comments for a free consultation or dial 855-TOM-WINS. All right, let's get back to it. So obviously we've covered cases before where someone is charged both on the federal and state level, um, you know, for one kind of criminal event, but there's kind of different laws that apply there, both federal and state. It is a question if they'll drop the state charges in light of her pleading guilty. But in terms of the federal sentence, I mentioned it could be a minimum of 10 years, but a maximum of life in prison. How does it work? What do you think she could be facing? You know, it's very interesting. And I think a lot of it's going to be about the evidence that they've amassed. And I'm not as familiar, right? Some things will be publicized and other things are obviously closed to the best. But what a lot of people don't realize is that in a federal case, there's also the Federal Department of Probation and probation goes out and does an investigation and they put together a pre-sentence report for that judge. So the judge has an entire file that he or she will consider before sentencing an individual. And obviously, Ms. Ms. Phillips has a lawyer. I am sure her lawyer is putting together a packet to look to try to mitigate her sentence, right, and try to have her sentence to the minimum instead of the maximum. You know, so a lot will be, I think, dependent on what these children come forward and say if they put together victim impact statements and what the real impact is on them right now, right? And unfortunately, I think for kids who are traumatized and, and all of this creates a trauma and it's individual, you know, some of them are experiencing symptoms right away of their trauma. Some of them, it's a very delayed onset because they don't recognize what they've been through. And until they recognize it and internalize it, their victim impact statement could vary. So, you know, I, I'm not sure um, what this judge has right now or what's being gathered, but, you know, I think her lawyer is going to have an uphill battle there um, in trying to mitigate what we know she's done. Um, and part of her allocution and her admission, you know, it, it's egregious, right? I mean, and it brings up questions about how children are monitored at home, but also yeah. how they're monitored online, right? And, you know, right now there are tons of lawsuits going on against social media companies for the yeah. harm that they've charged, you know, they've caused children allegedly, right? That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Can we talk about that for a second? Um, and look, you know, just putting a bow on the sentencing, I am sure they are going to, I'm not sure, but I, I, I believe they would probably put some evidence in her defense counsel about mental health and that this is a sickness and she's suffering and she's trying to be better. It won't excuse away what happened here. Social media companies I always find fascinating because particularly with Snapchat, and for those of you who are not familiar with it, you know, it has a mechanism by which you can send a message or receive a message and it disappears. And, and that has been particularly worrisome uh, for people who are trying to police criminal conduct um, because it's hard to map, it's hard to find a record of it when those messages disappear. But even Facebook itself. So when you hear the fact that Snapchat and Facebook are being used here by someone like her to lure in victims or try to entice victims, do they face any kind of liability? And I'm walking so through it's that. Yeah, it's interesting that you're asking that. So right now there are a slew of lawsuits across the country. Um, they're centralized in a multi-district litigation in California. And there are a bunch of individual plaintiffs, right? So children and their parents on their behalf. There are also school districts um, and I think 33 or 34 attorney generals from different states have also filed complaints against, you know, Facebook. Uh, well, it's Meta, right? So it's for Facebook. And yeah, Instagram. I don't get used to it either. Yeah. It's like Twitter and I X. Never, I still, I, you I'm know. Old, yeah, no, right? it's fine. It's fine. Um, right. And I'm just going to call it Facebook, even though it's it's Meta, TikTok, and YouTube. And it's it's important to note that because these are all really popular applications, some varying degrees of how kids use them and how frequently, but all of them have the capability to make the internet a safer place, right? And I think that's kind of the just a little bit um, really boiling and simplifying what these lawsuits are about down. But there is the Communications Decency Act, um, which provides immunity to internet service providers on different levels. That's been the real focus right now on those lawsuits and the first set of motions that were filed a couple months ago to dismiss those cases. And so one component of those cases is actually for children who have been sexually exploited or assaulted through the use of those apps. I actually represent some plaintiffs in that case. And, you know, it's fascinating to me. It doesn't matter where the child lives. It doesn't matter, you know, boy or girl. It doesn't matter what application. They're meeting the same type of person and they're experiencing the same type of exploitation. And it's a playbook. Right. Um, and we've come to learn through this lawsuit that there are certain things that each one of those companies, you know, knew about how the app was running and choices that were made. They'll, I think they'll say in an attempt to safeguard kids, but, you know, whether or not that was effective is, is actually the subject of the lawsuit. So they can face negligent claim, negligence claims. Let's let's just clarify that a minute. The more they knew there was a problem, the more that they knew that their platforms are being used for criminal conduct and they didn't do something to police it, that's where they get in trouble, right? Is that a way that they can ultimately that shield, that protective shield that you mentioned against liability, it chips away? It, or is it well, the fact, the I mean, is, is, is that the question? Because I, I mean, I, I have to wonder, uh, specifically, again, Snapchat, knowing that their feature could be used as a way someone could send a message kind of, you know, incognito and, and, and there's no record of it. They have to have known that there was that their platform was being used for criminal conduct. Not that they have to know. They have to know about the image. Okay. So, you know, um, a lot of times there's text back and forth, right, with no images, nothing that's creating any kind of metadata. But there are also places where these apps are being used and kids that are being exploited are reporting that their image is on 
Snapchat, their image is on Facebook, right? There's some sort of back and forth or something was posted on Instagram. And those reports are not being made to NCMEC, which, you know, each one of these companies statutorily must report the image because it's, if, if there's an image of a child, right, that's contraband. Um, it, it, let me rephrase that. If there's a sexually explicit image of a child depicting that child in a lavicious manner, it's it's CSAM, right? It's child porn. It needs to be removed. And it's illegal. Nobody can possess it. So there, right now, there is actually a motion pending, um, and we'll see what the court does with it about these issues, whether they can actually face liability. But, you know, the idea is that they are supposed to report it to NCMEC. NCMEC works in, in concert with law enforcement. The images should be removed. They should be preserved for criminal prosecutions out of the sight of the general public, right? And people should be arrested. And we know that that's not happening. Um, and you can look, anyone can look up at what NCMEC has kind of compiled for the amounts of reports from each one of these companies and more, because there are more than just these four, you know, main social media companies, right? It's staggering, right? You're talking about millions of reports a year. Um, and it's multi-millions. And so to me, if you're reporting multi-millions of images, you know that, you're, that your site, right, is, or your app is doing this. And so right now, the way that that lawsuit is positioned, the judge has already said that, you know, they can face certain claims. Um, there are still motions to dismiss pending, but there is also a California state court case, um, which mirrors these allegations and the judge there, Judge Cruel, actually said that, you know, they can face liability for their negligent behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and the cases are ongoing, right? They're in discovery. Yeah. So, I mean, anything can kind of really happen with this, this next set of motions, but it's novel. And I think that it's a response to what we're starting to see happen. Yep. You know, um, kids our age, right, when they were kids, didn't grow up with this sort of access to all of these different apps and having a, a digital presence and being able to contact adults so easily across the world. So, you know, with that kind of access opens up, I think, a, a huge window for people who are looking to harm children. And, and for a legal point of view, it's a very, very big uh, set of cases um, that's going to have a lot of repercussions moving forward. Uh, you mentioned the social media companies. I want to end this by talking about the school district. So yeah. we know that Ms. Phillips uh, was a teacher's aide at Woodlawn Elementary School in Boyle County. Could that school, could that school district face any liability in terms of negligent hiring? Um, I ask this question all the time when we're dealing with these kinds of cases, but you tell me. Absolutely. So I don't know yet from what was publicly available about this case, you know, how exactly she met this child. I'm assuming it was an interaction in school and how she got this child's contact information. But if any of this behavior was taking place during the course of her employment, right, like actually during the workday on the premises, if there was any kind of physical contact at all with a child on the premises, certainly they can face liability, right? I mean, and it's a very fact-specific inquiry about what they knew and when they should have known it. Um, but sure, and yep. they should if, yep. if that was part of her workday, right? I mean, if she did all of this completely outside of the scope of her employment when she was home on a Saturday night, you know, the fact that they met at school is what it is. Um, I, but I mean, the difficulty, of course, is if all everything looked fine um, and it's so hard to predict what people do, that's the problem. But if this seems to be where there were multiple victims and this was happening over a period of time. Um, that's what's particularly concerning. Um, I, I think I just end it with this, um, and this is from the Department of Justice. They had a press release just to give everybody an idea uh, about how intensive this was in terms of this um, team to, to prosecute her. 
or to investigate her. So the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, prosecuted this case as part of Project Safe Childhood, which is a nationwide initiative that was launched in 2006 by the DOJ. And its, ga- its goal is to combat the growing epidemic of child sexual exploitation and abuse. It was led by U.S. Attorney's Offices and the Criminal Division's Child Exploitation and Obscenity Section. Project Safe Childhood marshals federal, state, local resources to better locate, apprehend, and prosecute individuals who exploit children via the internet, as well as to identify and rescue victims. So when you hear that, Hillary, the amount of resources from, from both a state and federal level uh, that are able to, to police this kind of conduct, that makes me feel more reassured that there are ways to go after these people and maybe stop this before it, uh, and, and clearly in this case with the 15-year-old, hopefully, uh, stop it before it escalates into something else. I agree with you. Um, I mean, I know several, you know, agents who deal with this on a federal and state level, and they're the unsung heroes. Um, they don't give up, and they're constantly kind of trying to keep up with the technology that will sometimes mask the information they need for successful prosecutions. But oftentimes, they're very successful. Um, and, you know, we hear about one or two stories a lot more, I think, now. Um, but Every day there's arrests um, yep. and, you know, it's these people who are constantly just grinding out what they need to do on these investigations to track down people who are trying to exploit our children. Hillary Nappy, such a pleasure. Uh, thank you so thank much you for so coming much. on and breaking down. Um, I know we haven't had you on Sidebar before, at least on with me. Uh, can't wait to have you back. Hopefully we're not talking about cases like this, but really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is all we have for you right now here on Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time.